a man awakes in the dead of night and he is drenched in sweat. He's shuffling and shifting in the bed, trying to get comfortable again and, and hopes to fall back to sleep. But, but his mind, it simply just will not turn off. He lies there in the dark, haunted by his past, haunted by his actions, the result of decisions he had made, decisions that had caused him to run from his family, to, to run from everything that he knew. Now living in a foreign land, he lies in bed and stares into the darkness. His mind races back to that land that he grew up in. His, his mind races back to the people he had left behind. He, he thinks about his mother, Rebecca. He thinks about his father, Isaac. He thinks about his brother Esau and, and tears just begin to fill up in his eyes. The acts he committed against his brother, against his family, the images play in his mind as if they had happened yesterday. His heart begins to race at just the thought of it. He, he breathe in, breathes in and, and then he breathes out. His hands close into fists as if he's holding on to something that he can't let go. He grips onto the pain. He grips onto the regret, refusing to release them into the night. And for 20 years, he's carried them both with him. He picked them up as he fled from his home and he's carried them ever since. He carries them in remembrance of a relationship that had been broken beyond repair. Broken because of his own actions, broken because of his deception. There in the dark, overwhelmed by fear, this, this man, Jacob, he yearns for reconciliation. He, he yearns to see his brother, to see his family again. No, but how, what, what hope could there be for a relationship after such a damaging blow? What, what hope was there after this relationship was so broken and fractured? What source of power could bring Jacob and Esau back together Jacob, he continues to grip the pain and the regret tightly in his hands, so tight that he begins to feel it in his heart. And he begins to think, if only I could just let all of this go and hold on to something else. Relationships are connections with others, uh, relationship with, relationships with people that we love so much. They're important. They, they mean everything. Those relationships, they can give us so much joy and so much hope. Those relationships, they can turn our worst days into our best days. So what happens when those relationships become broken? Things are done, things are said, and bits and pieces of those relationships, they begin to fall apart. Something that had felt so strong now suddenly feels so fragile. And then the hurt begins to slip in through the cracks that have been made. Hurt that keeps us up at night. Uh, hurt that causes our minds to be active at all times. Constantly replaying events in our heads. Constantly wishing we had said something different. Wishing we had done something different. If only we could restore that connection. If only we could fix that relationship. But the hurt, it just feels too deep. The cracks just feel too big. How much more can it bear before it all just completely falls apart? Have you been there in a relationship that has become broken because of something uh, the person did or, or because of something you did? And no matter what role you play in the broken relationship, that hurt, it comes creeping in 
through the cracks, the hurt caused by the guilt and shame from what you did, the, the hurt caused by the betrayal and deception from what you may be experienced. The hurt arrives and then comes anger as a result, and anger that drives a wedge between you and the, uh, that other person, and anger that makes you feel like you're a hundred miles away from this person that you had once loved so dearly, feeling separated because of the things you have done or, or the things that had been done to you, causing you to feel as though you're someplace in life that is completely foreign to you, running as if your life depends on it. How can we mend what was broken? Can reconciliation even occur in a relationship with so many cracks? How do we make the journey back into a healthy and strong relationship? What can we hold on to that will lead us into redemption? What can we hold on to that will lead us away from the fear and into reconciliation? In the book of Genesis, we find the story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. It's a famous story, so I'm sure uh, some of you have heard it before. The whole story from beginning to end, it is wild. Um, and it's super long. It could actually probably be a sermon series that lasted weeks and weeks. So we're just gonna, we're gonna focus on just a small bit of it today. We're gonna focus on Jacob and his brother Esau. We're gonna focus on what had been broken between them, the deception that had caused the separation and the events that led to reconciliation. And we're gonna focus on how that story that happened thousands of years ago can impact our broken relationships today. And Jacob and Esau, they were actually twins. Uh, when they were born, Esau was delivered first, but Jacob, he came right behind him and he was actually holding on to Esau's heel as he was delivered. Like many siblings in a family, the, the boys grew to be very different. Esau, he grew to be a skillful hunter. Uh, so he would go out, he would go into the wild, he would hunt and bring home food. Uh, Jacob, he was more of a homebody. He was described as a mild man. And he would take care of uh, things around the tent that they lived in, uh, cooking, cleaning, things like that. They had very different personalities. But despite their differences, they were brothers. So their relationship, it, it was strong. But one day, a desire for more leads the second born Jacob to devise a plan of deception, an act that will ultimately begin to produce cracks in the relationship between him and his brother Esau. On this day, Jacob, he prepares this delicious stew. Um, at least I assume it was delicious. I guess we don't really know that. But uh, the smell of the stew, it, it just kind of fills the tent that they, they live in. Esau, he returns home to this smell. He's been out hunting all day. So he returns home. He is exhausted and he is hungry. Here's what the Bible says. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. But Jacob, he has a different idea. He says, oh, oh this stew? Uh, well, let, let, me, let, let me make a deal with you. you. You can have some of this stew, but in return, I would like your birthright. And now the birthright, it was a huge deal. It was important back then. If you were the older child, you were automatically awarded 
the birthright, which involved both both a household status and a material dynamic. The son of the birthright would receive a double portion of the inheritance and would also become the head of the family once the father passed away. Jacob, he knew that the birthright was valuable, so he wanted it. Just give me the birthright and you can have some of this stew. Doesn't seem like a very good deal, does it? But scripture says that Esau, he actually despised his birthright, which in translation from Hebrew, it simply means that Esau, he did not care about it in that moment. All he cared about was his hunger. So he trades his birthright to Jacob for some stew. And this act is the beginning of their fractured relationship. The cracks are starting to form as a result of that deception, but it's not falling apart just yet. The the second act of deception, it it comes when Jacob's father is very old and and, um, cannot see very well. He's lying in bed and he's feeling the effects of his old age. And in his mind, he's thinking that the time has actually come for him to pass away. So he calls for his oldest son Esau to come and, and sit by his bedside. He tells Esau, go and hunt, go hunt something and and bring me back some tasty food from what you hunted. And then I will give you my blessing before I die. Now the blessing, that was something during that time that the father Isaac would pass on to one of his children. It it could go to any of the children, didn't matter who was oldest or or youngest, receiving the blessing that had spiritual implications. Whoever received it would be viewed as the spiritual head of the household, which means that the the children of that son who held the blessing, his children would carry on the covenant that was made with God and Abraham. So it was a big deal, probably even more important than the birthright. So of course, Jacob, he wants the blessing as well. To have the birthright and the blessing together would make Jacob very valuable. So with the help from his mother, Jacob takes food into his father while he's in bed. And remember, his father cannot see very well. So Jacob, he pretends to be Esau and his father believes it. So his father, Isaac, gives Jacob the blessing. When Esau finds out, he is furious. He, is, he feels hurt. He feels betrayed. He feels anger. First the birthright and now the blessing. Here's what the Bible says. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Whoa. Easy now. You're talking about killing, murder, death? What is going on? Esau, he wanted revenge as he closed his fist tight in anger. The cracks in the fractured relationship, they finally spread and piece by piece, it all fell apart. Jacob's mother, she warns him of his brother's vow to kill him. So Jacob, he fled far from his brother, moving to a completely different land. And you can imagine Jacob as he he travels fearing for his life, but also probably feeling overwhelmed from the acts of betrayal that he had committed. Sure, he had the birthright, he had the blessing now, but at what cost? How would he ever be able to return home again? How, how could he ever face his brother again? He ran from the consequences of his actions. Jacob's mother tells Jacob that she will sin for him once his brother cools down and, and decides that he actually does not want to kill his brother. 
Jacob ends up staying away though for 20 years. His mother never sent for him. So in Jacob's mind, his brother stayed angry. His brother stayed vengeful all of those years, which filled Jacob with fear. He held tight onto his shame and to his regret. And now this is a clear example of a fractured and broken relationship. Huge chunks of the relationship just crumbling. And it's broken apart by deception and anger. Here's the truth though, Jacob and Esau, they could have reconciled at, at any time, right? They could have reconciled right away, but instead they allowed the pain, they allowed the hurt, the regret and the shame, they allowed the betrayal to push them farther and farther apart. But, but truthfully, it's something we often do, right? There are relationships in our lives that we could reconcile, we could choose to give or accept forgiveness, but we choose not to. And instead of choosing reconciliation, we choose the hurt and the pain. We choose the anger and that desire for revenge. And then we carry those things around with us everywhere we go, almost as if we're picking up rocks, carrying them with us. We, we carry the regret and the pain into each relationship that we have. And it makes things more difficult. It makes other relationships more difficult because we're carrying these things into those relationships and, and those relationships, they suffer as a result. It makes it harder to trust others. It makes it harder to completely love someone. What are you holding on to today? Well, what are you gripping so tightly in your hands, refusing to let it go that your relationships are suffering because of it? What are you holding on to that is causing you to fear so much? Jacob, he had made a life in that new land. He had wives and children. Yeah, I, plural wives. I told you this story is wild. It's like a reality TV show. But he had a great deal of wealth. Uh, but he was still gripping tightly onto the shame and regret. He, he was holding on to that fear. And then one day the Lord says this to Jacob. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. Can you imagine Jacob's heart begin to race? His breathing begin to intensify. Go back to the land that I grew up in. Back to the brother who hates me. Back to the brother who wants to kill me. Are you crazy? Now, truthfully, Jacob, he had a desire to return to that land. He, he yearned for it. He yearned for reconciliation with his brother. But the fear that he was holding on to, that fear that he gripped so tight, it was crippling. But he refused to let it go. Even as he obeyed God's command and started moving his family and all of his possessions, all of his animals, everything, he, he was still holding tightly onto that fear. And that fear leads him to not fully trust God. It leads him to try and take matters into his own hands. So he sends some messengers ahead of him as they're moving. These messengers, they, they, they are to take a message to his brother Esau that he had not seen in 20 years. His hope was that the, the message he sent would soften his brother's anger. It would let his brother know that he has wealth now and he's willing to give him some of it. He wants to offer respect to his brother. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what happens. The messengers, they came back to Jacob. They said, we went to your brother Esau. He's coming now to meet you. He has 400 men with him. 
400 men, an army of 400 men. Why would he bring all of those men to meet Jacob if he has good intentions? So the fear of facing this broken relationship grows even more now. Even though God had even told Jacob, I will be with you, Jacob, he continued to hold on to that fear. Jacob sends his brother a ton of gifts as a result, a peace offering. Jacob is hoping that this offering will let his brother know that, that Jacob wants nothing from him. As the peace offering went ahead of them, Jacob, he continued to scheme. He continued to try and think of ways to try and ease his brother's anger. He was worried that his brother would not trust him. He continued to do things out of fear, not fully trusting God. He continued to hold on to the shame and the pain, allowing that to lead him rather than God. Have you ever felt that way in a, in a broken or fractured relationship? You, you know the right thing to do is to reconcile, to forgive or accept forgiveness. You may even feel like it's what God is calling you to do, but the fear of facing that person, the, the fear of facing the consequences because of your actions, that fear is relentless. And you hold on to that fear and that, that fear causes us to believe almost as if there's uh, an army of 400 people standing between us, ready to fight against us as we try to reconcile with that broken relationship. So that fear, we hold on to it. And instead we hold on to the hurt and the pain and we grip it even tighter. And truthfully, part of us believes that refusing to let go of the pain and the anger and in all of that, part of us believes that it is protecting us in our relationships. We believe it becomes our defense in relationships. We refuse to let it go because we feel as though it's, it's giving us something that we can actually control. But in all actuality, it starts to control us. It takes over our relationships. It keeps us from trusting others completely. And it, it keeps us from trusting God completely. And that's exactly how Jacob felt and the fear, it was controlling him and he was struggling to just let go and trust God. And he lies in the dark, unable to sleep, overwhelmed by fear, restless at the thought of coming face to face with his brother again. So afraid of what his brother might do or say. Jacob keeps trying to scheme and come up with a plan. And at this point, he wants a plan for surrender. And that night, he eventually decides he's going to send all of his family out in the middle of the night. His brother would not expect them to travel at night, and, and Jacob would follow and then meet up with them in the morning. So Jacob's family and servants, they make their way through the dark, but, but Jacob, he stays behind, and now he is all alone in the dark. Jacob had thought his greatest fear was facing his brother Esau, but now alone in the dark, he realizes that his greatest threat is actually himself. All the memories flooded into his mind. He gripped the pain and the regret in his fists, hurtful recollections of how he had deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright and out of his father's blessing. All those recollections, they begin to gang up on him. There in the dark, he was overwhelmed by doubt, doubt that God could even deliver him safely. Jacob wondered how he could surrender to his brother because of this fear that he was holding on to. Soon though, there in the dark, Jacob realizes that he 
is not alone. He peers into the dark and, and he sees a dark figure. He sees a man in the dark, the, the silhouette of a man. And immediately that man in the dark begins to wrestle with Jacob. He wrestles against Jacob and, and Jacob, he probably thinks it's his brother Esau. And so Jacob, he starts to fight back with all of his might and fear continued to grip Jacob's heart as he fought. He was fighting for his life. Soon though, he realized that this is not my brother Esau that he was fighting against. He, he realized that he was actually wrestling against God. He continues to fight with the darkened figure. He continues to wrestle with his obedience to God. He continues to wrestle with letting go of the fear. Uh, eventually God touches the side of Jacob's hip and, and his hip, it goes out of socket. And Jacob quickly realizes that this was not gonna be a fight that he could win. He had a decision to make. To disobey would be to continue fighting against God and ultimately lose, which would mean he would have to eventually let go of God completely. But to hold on to God would mean to let go of that sense of control, to let go of the fear and face the consequences of his actions. So even though he was injured, even though the pain was excruciating, Jacob, he decided to hold on to God. Jacob stops fighting against God and he just holds on to him. He, he, he grabs the man in the dark. He squeezes at him almost like a bear hug and he refuses to let go. Here's what the Bible says. Then the man said, let me go. It is morning. But Jacob replied, I won't let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, well, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, your name will not be Jacob anymore. Instead, it will be Israel. You have wrestled with God and with people and you have won. The truth is the, the man in the dark, God, he could have won at any time. He touched Jacob's hip and it immediately went out of socket. And just imagine what he could do. But as Jacob held on, he was no longer fighting against the man, but instead he was clinging to God in desperation. This was a moment of repentance. This, uh, think of the shame that Jacob felt as he told God his name. Now, obviously God, he, he knew who Jacob was. He knew his name, but he wanted to hear Jacob say it. Back then, your name was everything. Name, every single name, they had, it had meaning. The name Jacob, it, it means supplanter, uh, deceiver, ambitious man who lives by his own wits. So as Jacob tells God his name, it's as if he's confessing all the wrong things that he's done, confessing the deceit, confessing the betrayal, confessing the fear of trusting God completely. But Jacob was now seeking God's blessing. Jacob was finally letting go of the regret and the shame that he had carried for 20 years and was instead seeking God's favor. God declares that Jacob's name will instead be Israel from that moment on, God changes his name to signify that this is a new beginning. This is a new start. You know what the name Israel means? It means God prevails. Jacob had endured through the fear and the struggle until God had conquered him, leading him to a place of repentance and confession. And in return, Jacob received not only a new name, but he received security in that time of fear. Out of fear, Jacob had been trying to offer respect, peace, and surrender to his brother, but he learned that he had to make that offering to God first. Jacob eventually, he, he catches up with his family. 
He makes his way to the very front of them and then he proceeds to lead them forward. No longer held by fear, but instead he is holding on to God. And Jacob, he goes out to meet Esau. He goes out to face whatever consequence would come his way. And then the moment came, Jacob looks out across the field and across the field in the distance, he sees his brother Esau and behind his brother, 400 men. But Jacob, he, he just stares at his brother, this brother he had deceived, this brother he had betrayed, and this brother that he believed hated him. And he could see his brother moving towards him now, and his brother was moving fast. And with him, the 400 men were coming with him. So, so Jacob, he begins to just bow down. He bows down seven times in reverence to his brother. On his knees, bowed down, Jacob is ready to accept the consequences. Jacob is bowed down, holding on to God, ready for whatever punishment that his brother is going to bring to him now because of the things that he had done in the past. And, and Jacob kind of opens his eyes and he sees his brother so, coming so fast, so quickly. And he closes his eyes, just, just waiting for the impact, waiting for the punishment. And all he can see with his eyes closed is the face of his brother, his brother that he had not seen for 20 years. And he closes his eyes and just waits. He can hear the feet getting closer and closer and closer. And then boom, before he knows it, Jacob is in the embrace of his brother. His brother is hugging him. His brother is kissing his neck. The Bible says that they wept together, embracing, not talking about the past, not talking about who was wrong or who was right. No need to argue. They just hugged each other, feeling so grateful. God had worked in both of their hearts and conquered them. As they let go of the hurt, the anger, the regret, and the shame, God restored their relationship. God prevailed, and now they could start again. As relationships in our lives become fractured and broken beyond repair, as we pick up the rocks, as we pick up the pain and the anger, as we pick up the shame and the regret and we take it with us everywhere we go, we have to learn to let it go. Uh, life is just too precious. Life is just too short to carry all this weight around with us. Our relationships, they are too important. And we spend so much time, years sometimes, gripping the hurt and the regret so tightly. Our relationships, they suffer as a result. We spend so much time in the dark, living in regret and fear. Trusting and obeying God in our relationships means letting go of that fear. Embracing God's call for you to forgive or be forgiven. And the whole time God is saying, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Trust me. And when we know that, we can't fight against God. We, we instead have to hold on to God. And as we hold on to God, we can find reconciliation in relationships. As we, as we offer our respect, peace, and surrender to God, he helps us offer those same things to our broken relationships. And that respect, peace, and surrender we offer to others, it must not be offered out of fear, but we must offer it out of our love for God. Offering godly respect, peace, and surrender to others can mend broken relationships. Uh, 
Because of sin and mistakes in our lives, our relationship with God, it was fractured. It was broken. We were separated from him, but, but he loves us so much that he sent us a peace offering. He sent his one and only son so that our relationship with him could be restored. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made, we can seek God's forgiveness. We can let go of the shame and the guilt. We can let go of the pain and the hurt. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, God will meet us in the darkness. God will meet us in the dark, wrestle with us, trying to let us know how much he loves us. He will wrestle with us, trying to get us to trust him. He will wrestle with us, trying to get us to let go of that fear. God has the same promise for us that he made with Jacob. God is telling us, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Trust me, let go of the fear and hold on to me. And as we let go, as we begin to realize the good that God intends for our life and our relationships, and as we let it all go, we begin to realize how heavy that anger and that pain had become, how much it had weighed us down. And as you hold on to God, as you surrender to him, as you whisper your name in conf confession to him, he will prevail. God will prevail over our broken and fractured relationships. God will prevail over the shame and the regret. God will prevail over the anger and the pain. God will prevail and we will receive a new start. He has done it before and he will do it again and again and again. God prevails. And as you hold on to God... As you reconcile your relationship, you begin to feel God holding on to you and your relationship. You begin to realize that God's been there the whole time in the dark, holding on to you, wanting you to notice him. As you forgive or accept forgiveness, God's hand begins to work in your relationship, filling that relationship with his grace, a grace that he willingly offers, a grace that will prevail beyond anything, and a grace that when we hold it, it is as light as a feather. So if you've come today holding on to something, if you're sitting in this room holding on to pain and regret, holding on to fear. If you're listening online or watching online, listening to the podcast, watching on YouTube, months from now, years from now, who knows, whatever you are holding on to that is making your relationship suffer, you don't have to carry it with you any longer. You can let it go. You can leave it at the cross. You can let it go, you can leave it, and you can hold on to God instead because God is there, he is holding on to you, and he is desperate for you to notice. He is desperate for you to turn to him in the dark and hold on to him so that you would know through, through whatever you experience, whatever storm, whatever brokenness you go through, whatever you feel like is cracked and fractured, that there is nothing, absolutely nothing in this world that is beyond repair for our God. He will prevail, but we must turn to him and we must hold on to him. So if you would stand with me now, I would love to pray for you. Uh, but if you've come today and, and you feel just the urge that, that you want to be prayed for, 
whether it's something with relationships or something completely different, we will be down here to pray with you. Or if you've come today and you are just ready, you're just ready to say goodbye to the fear and you're ready to hold on to God with your life and you would like to be baptized, the water is ready. I, b- I believe we have one baptism happening. Um, so, so we are ready. If you want to be baptized, we will make it happen today. Um, so if you want prayer or baptism, just come forward as Josh sings this last song. But, but before we do that, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for the grace that you fill our lives with. We thank you for Jesus, the whole reason we get to receive that grace. And that as we leave today, whatever we are going home to, we just pray that we would leave holding on to you. No, no matter what storm we face, we pray that we would hold on to you and we would know that you prevail through anything and everything. You prevail, God, and we are so thankful. So right now, God, we just pray. I pray for this whole congregation, whoever's listening online, whatever they are holding, I just pray that they would release it to you, that they would just lay it at your feet, God. And in return, in that darkness that they had been experiencing, that they would turn and they would hold on to you for dear life. And that through that, they would feel your peace, your joy, and your love through that, they would know that you have been holding on to them and you will continue to hold on to them no matter what. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.